Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for uh, this afternoon that we have to, uh, to just gather here and worship you, Lord. And um, whatever our expectations were this morning, uh, maybe to just uh, come to church because it's a good thing to do, uh, which that's, that's true. Um, or because we're looking for more, uh, we pray that um, you would work a change in us uh, by your word and help us to leave here uh, with all those expectations blown away, Lord, and realizing that we underestimated um, the impact of meeting you in a place where your people gather and we open your word and you're present. So we ask that you would do an awesome work in us this morning. And uh, we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the good news is I, I feel a lot better than, uh, than last week. And I guess the bad news is better doesn't mean 100%, so we're, we'll get through it. Okay? I might quit halfway and we'll just continue next week. No, I'm not going to do that. Okay. Uh, we're going through a, a series in the Proverbs. And what, uh, what excites me about this series okay, is that uh, this past year, I've, I've been kind of going at a slow pace through the Proverbs in my own time and just kind of taking a note of the ones that jump out at me. And then what I did, I'm just going to explain to you what I did. I put them all on a sheet of paper and then I, I started circling the ones that were like in common, you know, that were kind of saying the same thing. And I saw these themes emerge. And out of those themes, I created this, this sermon series. Uh, and today, we're going to look at one that's Uh, Very much needed. Uh, Proverbs isn't the only place where the Bible talks about this uh, damaging, life-altering thing. This thing is so damaging that uh, when James writes his epistle, he writes one epistle. James puts his pen to parchment one time. And he takes the better part of an entire chapter and talks about this danger that we're all susceptible to. But if you don't look out for this danger, it'll ruin your life. It'll ruin your life. And he says that danger is your mouth. And it's not what you eat, it's not what you drink, it's not what goes in, it's what comes out that'll ruin your life. In fact, James uses a couple of illustrations. He says, you know, if you've ever ridden a horse, it's this huge beast. You know, I mean, I grew up watching westerns you know and you're like wow that's great you ride a horse and it's cool right until you're on one for the first time it's it's intimidating i mean this just huge beast that that you're supposed to be in control of now james says you know when they put the bit in the mouth of the horse and that little bit if you tug on it like this the horse goes that way tug on it the other way and that little thing controls that huge beast And depending on what that little piece does, determines the outcome of this huge beast. What he's saying is that's that's what your mouth is like. You you have a lot of things. You have a lot of resources and talents. And you can affect other people's lives in a lot of different ways. But none like that little thing. Uh, Another illustration he uses is a ship, you know, with a rudder. It's a huge ship. But the whole course that it's set on is determined by this rudder. And so your whole life, your day, your week, can be altered by something you say. 
Then he uses a third illustration. He says, you know, um, most forest fires are not started because, uh, you know, a meteor came in from out of space or something. It's somebody flicked a cigarette or the leaves were dry and the sun hit it just right. And a little spark, a little ember sets on flame and a whole... I remember as a kid, I saw that my first forest fires or brush fires on TV and the news and there's choppers and everything. And as a kid, I'm trying to get this. I'm like, we've got hydrants and trucks and technology and choppers and we can't just stop a fire from from eating up a forest really hard to and the best way to prevent a forest fire that'll destroy your life destroy your relationships we just talked about friendships last week it's an easy way to destroy any one of those your marriage your relationship with your kids you know that thing that slips out when they're 10, and then you meet them for dinner when they're 30, and they still remember that thing that slipped out. The best way to prevent a forest fire, or to stop a forest fire, is to prevent it. And so James' message, and the message that rings clear through Proverbs is, watch what you say. Watch your mouth. Because <laughs> it can cause ruin. And so the first one I want to look at, the main one, is Proverbs 15. Let's look at, or Proverbs 10. Proverbs chapter 10. So if you want to get to Proverbs, uh, if, you, if you need a Bible, just slip your hand up and we'll get you one. Okay. Um, I think just one over here. Crack your Bible open in the middle and you'll be right around Proverbs. If you're in Psalms, go over to the right. You'll find the book of Proverbs chapter 10. Okay. Verse 19. When words are many, when words are many, transgression, sin, mistakes is not lacking. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent, wise, smart. When words are many, Transgression is not lacking. So in other words, when there's a lot of words, you're bound to mess up somewhere. When there's just a lot of talking all the time, and you just say whatever pops in your head, whatever comes to your mind, you just say it, and you spray it all over the place. You're bound to hurt people, cut people down. Now some of you might be in here like, hey, you know what, I don't care, because I'd rather be honest. Well, you'd also rather be dumb, right? Because the Proverbs are about wisdom. And it's saying that's what a fool is like. A fool is unconcerned with what his words or her words do to other people. So if you're going to walk down the path of wisdom, you're going to start with a concern for other people, obviously, right? We talked about that last week in building relationships and friendships. Communication is key. Communication is key for that. But part of communication is putting a grid, right? We, we call it a filter on your mouth so that everything that pops in your mind doesn't just immediately come out. Because when words are many, transgression is not 
far behind. Crossing a line with someone is not far behind. Saying something you shouldn't have said is not far behind. Some of our deepest regrets are sometimes things that we said that we can't take back. Right? The best remedy for that is to put a filter before it comes out so that we don't have that regret and we don't do that damage. Right? Easier said than done. But guys, this, this is not you know, somebody who says, uh, look, I just, I just uh, I speak my mind. You know, I speak my mind. Well, sure, we all should speak our minds. But if you don't have a filter, you're, you're just like a, a bull in a china shop. Just <laughs> and this is going to set your life on fire, according to James. The way you speak, what you say. Uh, the, the old rhyme, uh, sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me. I mean, there's no truthfulness in that. Because words, words do things. Um, when Jesus was uh, being tortured, yes, he was whipped, but they made fun of him. Why is that recorded for us? That they made fun of Jesus, that they were sarcastic with him, that they cut him down with their words. Because that was part of the passion process. It, it, hurt, it hurt. And so words cause damage. This is saying, look, when there's just a lot of words all the time, transgression is not far behind. I remember when I was working with, um, you know, doing some masonry stuff, and I was the guy who had to mix the mortar. You know, mix the mud for the guys that laid a brick. And uh, there was something I learned really fast. That when you have this um, vat of powder. And when you add water, it becomes the mortar for the guys to lay the bricks. If you don't add enough water, you're okay. Just add a little more. You know, ah, oh, this is too thick. Ah, oh, there's still some powder. As, I, as I'm turning this over, I still see powder coming come, just add a little more water. If you add too much water, that entire bat needs to be thrown out. Because then you got to start trying to add powder and the math gets all crazy. And if you add too much water, you're done. But you're still okay if you didn't add enough water. You're still in the position to add more. Do, do you see the analogy? If you're quiet, you're still in the position to say something wise or say something helpful. Okay. But once you let everything out of the bag, you just vomit on everybody, you can't put that back. Damage is done. So what is this saying? When words are unchecked, you, you this, you that, here's what I think, you know, there's going to be a mess. But if words are kept in check, things are automatically going to be better. If you leave here with nothing else today, Stop, just th- stop talking. Just stop talking for a minute. I'm not sure if I should say something or not. Don't. Silence is going to be better in most cases because where words are many, transgression is not lacking. I know some of you are thinking, well, that's going to be easier for some of us than others because some of us are more introverted, some of us are more quiet. You know? Maybe, but let's stop using, I'm extroverted as an excuse to beat everybody over the head with our careless words. 
Be extroverted, but that doesn't mean don't have a filter. Put a filter on. Watch what you're saying, because what you say has an effect in other people's lives. And it'll come back to bite you. Let's look at uh, Proverbs 15, 28. It says something similar, but it kind of builds on it a little bit. You can turn there, or we put it up on the screen for you. Uh, the heart of the righteous ponders how to answer. The righteous person thinks, how am I going to answer this? But the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. You know, just, just a fountain of things pouring out of the wicked person, the foolish person. I was remembering in the Proverbs, foolish person, wicked person, same thing. Wise person, righteous person, same thing. This isn't about intelligence. This is about obedience. This is about wisdom. The person who follows God acts like this. The person who doesn't follow God, hates God, he's the fool, acts like that. Well, the God follower, the worshiper, speaks a certain way. And the wicked person, the fool, speaks a different way. And the difference is the filter. One of them ponders it first. Let me think what I'm going to say. Let me think a second. The other person just just pours. The, the fountain doesn't have an off switch. There's no, there's no turning down the dial. Just okay. That, that's the difference between a righteous person and a wicked person in this passage. And so one person speaks freely. That's the fool. The other person speaks thoughtfully. That's the worshiper. That's the Christ follower. That's the wise person. Someone who speaks thoughtfully. Let me give thought to this for a second. I mean, it's, just, it's so basic, isn't it? This is just so basic. I'm up here saying this. It's like, okay, kids, you know, ABCs. I mean, we know this stuff, but to see it on the screen, to see it in verses like this pop up, you think, man, do I do that? Do I check my thoughts before I let them go out the door of my mouth? Because we need to. In any, in any given situation, um, I'm not wise enough to just say everything that comes to my mind. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not righteous enough to do that. Right? Jesus could, do, could do that, but Jesus didn't need a filter. I need a filter because all the thoughts that immediately come into my mind aren't necessarily good. They're not necessarily correct. They could be true, but still damaging. Right? And we hide behind that too, don't we? Well, I, I speak the truth. I told him the truth. You know, he's a lazy bum. That's the truth. Is there a better way to say that? To communicate to that person that they should do more or they should get in gear. So it's not about truth all the time. It's communicating in a way that's wise, that's edifying. Is this going to help the situation? And being careful what you say. You think through it first. Now, here's a helpful tip, okay? Straight from the Proverbs. Most of the time when we say something and then later we regret it or should regret it, oh, I, I, I shouldn't have said that or I shouldn't have said it in that way. Nine out of ten times, the reason why that came out like that was because of anger or frustration, and you, didn't, you weren't keeping a cool head. It takes a cool head to go, let me apply the filter, let me think a second, hold on a second, let me walk for a second, let me breathe for a minute, hold on, if I say it like this, is that what I'm really trying to say? How is that person going to hear it if I say this? Should I put it in a different way? 
That takes a calm, cool, collected person to be able to, to do that. And that's exactly the key. Proverbs um, 17, verse 27, we'll put that up here. Whoever restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Now, it doesn't mean cool spirit like, like you're cool, you drive a cool car, you're a cool guy, you know, if you, you, you're like me, whatever. Uh, that's, not, that's not what this is, this is getting at. It means like temperature cool, you know? Like you're not, you're, you're not about to blow your lid all the time, you know? And then when somebody says, does something that agitates you, that's when you go, blah, and the stuff just comes out. Well, if you were cool, if you kept your cool, it'd be easier to check those words at the door and only let the ones out that you want going out. That takes a, a calm person, a cool spirit. That's a person who has understanding, and that's the person who's able to restrain the words that he has. Whoever, ha- whoever restrains his words has knowledge. But he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Um, biblically, it's not always the wisest thing to say a wise thing. Sometimes the wisest thing is to not say anything. Sometimes the best thing to do is to not say anything in a situation. And that's wise. That's wise. You know, I, I come from a family that um, you had to win the argument, you know, because if you don't win the argument, everyone just thinks you're dumb and you just get pushed over, you know. Not in a real, you know, bad way, but just in a joking way. You just become quickly the bottom of the pecking order in the family. If you can't argue, you can't fight your way, you got to talk loud. See, this is why I use my hands because I'm not loud enough. And I got I to use my hands and you got to take over. They're not going to listen to you, okay? And so you got to be fast. You've got to be quick. It's got to be witty. If it's funny, that's even better because they start laughing. Everyone's on your side and see, now you're going up the pecking order. Guys, that's dumb. Okay, wisdom doesn't play that game. Wisdom knows, hey, everybody can continue down this path, but I'm going to just not respond to that. Wisdom is restraint. Okay, the verse following this, the very next verse, this is verse 27, verse 28. <laughs> Check it out. It says, even a fool who keeps silent, even a, a fool who just keeps his mouth shut, is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. Even if you're like, I'm a, I'm a fool. I don't even know what to say in this situation. If you're quiet, you at least look smart. You know? <laughs> I mean, um, people respect that. People can respect when you're able to pull back and not necessarily have a comment for everything that somebody says. And you can pull back. It, it shows restraint. Maybe you're not saying anything because you literally don't know what to say. But to people, it's it's demonstrating restraint, that you don't have to say something to every situation. And it's safe. It's wiser to walk down that path. So if you're unsure what to say, be be silent. What did our parents tell us when we were growing up? If, If you don't have anything good to say, don't say it at all. Yeah, that's another way to put it. Okay, you're not sure what to say? Be silent. Be silent. Now, does this mean silence 
is always better. Does this mean in every situation, shh, you know, never say anything unless you're talking about Jesus, flowers, the weather, you know? No, that, that's not what it's saying. So we have to understand how the Proverbs work. Now, we, sh- we looked at some strong Proverbs about show restraint, don't speak, silence is better, okay? Even a fool looks better when he's quiet, all right? Does that mean we all just become super introverts? You know, we don't say anything at all, just be quiet as a mouse and let the world go by. No. You have to understand how Proverbs work, right? Proverbs are different from law. Law is when some God puts a rule out there and says, this rule, you're to hold to it, regardless of the situation. Thou shalt not commit adultery. That's not one where you go, well, unless I'm at the office. No, thou shalt not commit adultery. Well, unless it's just in my mind. Well, Jesus busted that one up, right? Thou shalt not commit adultery. Well, unless it's in a video game. No, thou shalt not commit adultery. Don't do anything like it that smells like it. Okay? And you've heard me say this before. You know, I, I think you know, we need to be careful with the, the movies that we watch. Okay? I'm not committing adultery. I just want to see high-paid actors do it. You know, just, thou shalt not commit adultery. God hates adultery. God abhors adultery. We should also abhor it. Okay? So that's law. Proverbs aren't like law. Okay? Proverbs have to be, you have to have wisdom in order to apply a proverb to a particular situation. Why? Because proverbs are general guidelines. When I first started figuring this out, I'm like, so what good are they then? Because I, I just like the black and white, you know, thou shalt, thou shalt not. Let's just go with that, you know. These are applicable. They bend to different situations. Not all of them. Some of them are, are pretty black and white, but a lot of them, you have to find the situation and apply it. So I'll give you an example, okay? This week, you, you all know I was sick as a dog. What does that even mean, sick as a dog? I don't know. I get that from my dad. We used to say, oh, sick as a dog. I don't know what that means. Um, Snip that from the audio. I was sick as a dog this week. And uh, so I got these pills on the counter in the island in my kitchen. And I go to take one. And uh, I I, I open it, take the pill, take the swig of the water. And I just start reading the, uh, the label, you know, because I'm an idiot. I read the labels after I take the pill. No, I knew what I was taking. And right there, in, in the tiniest font that the manufacturer could possibly produce, uh, it says something like, if the seal is either broken or missing, don't take that pill. Don't take the, don't take the pill. Right? That, you guys know what I'm talking about. That's on the label, Right? If the seal, when you open it, there should be a seal there. If it's either punctured, broken, half torn off, or completely missing, don't take a pill. Now, when I grabbed that bottle and opened it, there was no seal there, guys. And I took a pill. There's like four left in there, and I took it. Now there's three left. So, should I not have taken the pill? Should I or should I not have taken the pill? What? There was a few left. No, how many were in there originally? Originally, I don't know, like thirty. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think? I should take it. 
Okay, why? Because it's in my house, right? Okay. Now, what if, uh, what if I was at the store? And I get it off the shelf. And then I open it. Well, what's the difference? The context, right? If I'm at the house, we're the ones that broke the seal. And we're the ones that have been into this bottle. And we're trusting that no one else in the house is a, uh, you know, is poisoning our, our, our pills or something. Okay? If I'm at the store, no one's, you know, I've not gotten to this bottle before, but someone got to it before me. Then that same label applies when it didn't apply when I took it this week. Okay? If you're at an acquaintance's house, you know, you might want to ask a couple questions. Well, hold on, when, when did you get this? this is, is this new or you've been using this? Oh, you've been using this? And you're okay? All right, I'll take it. Okay? So you ask some questions. That same truth in different situations doesn't mean different things. It's applied differently because it depends. Okay? So let's use a case study. I'm going to give a situation, and we're going to think through, okay, what to do in that situation. You're at work, and somebody says something to you foolish. Maybe they say something that offends you, cuts you down, says something dumb, okay? Or about someone else, maybe. We don't have to get specific. Somebody says something, and you're just like, man, that was just really a bad thing to say. Why did they say that, okay? Do you say something? Or don't you say something? Just like with that bottle, the answer is, it depends. It depends. Okay? So go home. No. Let's, let's unpack it a little bit. Okay? Let's unpack that a little bit. We're going to look at a couple of verses. All right? That talk about that situation. And they help us walk through what to do. Should you say something or should you not say something? When you're at work... And you, somebody comes up to you and says something at you or about somebody else, and it, it's foolish. It's, they, it's, it's, it's a bad thing that they said. Should you respond or should you not? Well, Proverbs 26.4 says, Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. So what this proverb is saying is that when somebody says something dumb, don't... don't Say something and don't get into that conversation. Don't answer a fool according to his folly because then you just be a fool yourself. He'll drag you down into his foolishness. You will also become a fool if you just respond to every foolish thing every fool says. Okay? So the answer is no. Don't answer a fool. Now, this is Proverbs chapter 26, verse 4. The very next verse is Proverbs 26, verse 5, and it says this. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. I mean, if you don't say anything, the person is going to be like, right? Right? And by you being quiet, you're basically saying, right, and agreeing with it. Now this person knows anytime they want to come up and talk some smack about someone else, they can come to you because you're going to join them with it or you're going to be okay with it. Well, that's what I was trying to avoid the first time. That's why I didn't say anything, because I didn't want to join the folly. And now this is saying, well, you better say something then, or you will join the folly. Two verses back to back that seem to say opposite things. Why is that there like that? Why is that there like that? Because the collector of the Proverbs, we don't necessarily know who that was in every instance, but as the Proverbs were being collected, they understood 
that this warning on this label might be applied this way in this situation or might be applied this way in that situation. Because the answer means it depends. Therefore, we need wisdom in order to apply wisdom. It's like you have to start somewhere, but as you start, you begin to understand, okay, how to use these principles that the Bible's laying out in given situations so that you don't just shut your brain off like a like a robot you know like well i used to say a lot of things and words would always pour out and i was always hurting people's feelings so therefore i'm going to shut it down and i'm going to be a mute no that's also foolish because there may be a situation where god is like behind you like answer say something no i robotically shut it off because of that sermon don't want to do that okay answer not a fool answer a fool well Let's unpack the difference a little bit. Can we back up, Carl, to the previous one? Proverbs 26, 4. Okay? Answer not a fool. This is the case where you do not answer according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. In this given situation, somebody says something foolish, and you want to exercise restraint. You've got this filter working. You're getting good at it, okay? You're getting good at thinking through, okay? Before I let the words out the door, what am I going to say or should I say? Now, you have to think about the situation. In this situation, this fool, he's acting a fool, acting, A-C-K-I-N, acting a fool, all right? Just help me out. This person's acting a fool. Do I respond, all right? Now, what this proverb is saying is, Will your response be just as dumb as what they said? Well, then don't say it. That's why I said, answer a fool according to his folly. In other words, in the same likeness of how foolish what they said was, that's what your response is going to be. So then don't. Okay? They make fun of the boss. You don't like the boss. You want to join in that. That's fun. You want to cut them down. I know, you should have seen him the other day. What an idiot. That's what you want to say. But that would be just as foolish as what she said or what he said. And so in that case, if you're just going to join in, don't do it. So the answer is no. Don't say anything if it means you're going to stoop to the foolish level. But there may be situations where your silence allows the fool to continue in his foolishness. But this might be a teachable moment. This might be a moment where if you say something wise... You know you're not going to stoop, but you might be able to get that person to come up a level. That's where the next proverb comes in, Proverbs 26, 5. Answer a fool according to his folly, because if you don't, he's going to walk away like, yeah, I'm saying the right thing. Yeah, what I'm saying is truth. Maybe they said something about the boss, and you go, you know what? That might be true, but you know, the other day, he, this guy had this problem, and he took it out of his own money and helped this guy out. That was pretty, that was pretty good, I thought. What does a person do? Oh, well, one, they realize, okay, you're not going to join me in my attacking raid you know, on the person. But also, they might start to change their thinking a little bit about the person that they were dissing in the first place. So the answer is no, don't respond to their folly if you're just going to go down and wallow in folly with them. But if there's something you can say that might 
challenge them to bring them up to another level. Bring them up with you. Go for it. Go for it. There may be things you can say in that situation that will help that person, that will edify that person. You don't want that person walking away feeling like he's right when he's wrong. And so Christians are people who speak up. When people say things that are not true, you speak up and you say, actually, this is true. You're not doing it to join their folly. You're doing it because you want to speak truth and you want to help people. You're not beating them over the heads with it. You don't call them, you know, political names, you know, as you're doing it. But you bring it up because it's true and you just, if there's anybody in that room that is questioning or wondering, I just want the truth to be out there so that they don't all walk away thinking, yes, this is all true. And the person who knew the truth didn't say anything. And so in that situation, yes. In that situation, yes, you communicate truth. You do. You do say something. And so the answer is not to always be silent. The answer is to have a filter. And that's how the filter works, guys. Given the situation, you think, what's the, what's the best thing I can say here? Now, the best practice for this, guys, is marriage. <laughs> you don't get that time out at work. It's like, okay, I clocked out. Oh, my goodness, I'm going home. You know, at marriage, like you roll over and the person's right there snoring or whatever. And you're like, in the morning, this will continue again. You know, so... That's why it's good practice, because you can't just have your normal escape routes. You have to use the filter, and, and, and utter silence won't work either, you know? We're just going to be quiet for the rest of our marriage and not say anything. <laughs> you, have to, you have to talk, okay, to the person, but you use the filter and say, okay, can I say something that's uplifting? Can I say something that's wise? Can I say something that is not bringing us down into... Folly. Let's look at that 15.28 again. Proverbs 15.28, that, that second one that we had looked at. The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. Think before you communicate. Think before you say it. Just take a time out. And run it through in your mind. If I say it like this, would it come out like that? Should I say it like that? Okay, you think before you do it. Right? Especially emails. It's so easy to just like, send. Ooh, that's a world of hurt. Now you really can't take it back because they're reading it and it's just emblazing their minds and they save it in their folder. You literally can never take it back unless they delete it. If it has to be written communication, read it. Read it again. And then have your, your, your wife come over. Can you read this for me? Is it coming across the way I want it to come across? You know, And never send it if it's angry. Just do it in person. Okay? But the righteous person takes the time to edit and cut and paste and remove and think about the weight of certain adjectives and 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 prepositions and nouns and I mean look some of us were like math geeks and we hated English class and some of us were the opposite you know and you remember the English professor would help make you diagram sentences and and here's your noun and a big slash and your predicate and then here's the the you know prepositional phrases that hang off the edge and it's really annoying because we got to do a little bit of that 
Can I change that preposition? When I say over, that sounds like blah, but if I say with, that's a little bit better. And you just got to wordsmith stuff sometimes. I'm sorry, but that's what language is about. That, that's how language works. Okay? And so when you're thinking about it, you're pondering it, you're taking the time necessary. And if it's not worth taking time to think of how to produce the answer, then it's probably not worth taking the time to say Take the time to edit it. Do a couple of drafts first in your mind before you send it out the door and it becomes said. It becomes reality. The last thing I want to notice about this verse (laughs) that I'd like you to notice that the righteous person operates from the heart and the wicked person is operating on the mouth level. Right? I mean, the heart of the righteous is, does the pondering, but there's no pondering happening with the wicked person. It's just mouth. Just whatever's there. You know, it just comes out. But it does start in the heart, doesn't it? Even for the wicked person, it does. They're just not spending time there. Because you'll remember that uh, Jesus said in Matthew... Well, man, uh, I have it written down. That's why it's good to have these little notes in here sometimes, right? right Matthew twelve thirty four. Because I knew we covered it recently. Um, he's talking about he's talking to the Pharisees and he's saying, You guys just talk a lot of junk, you know, a lot of garbage comes out of your religious little mouths, and it ticks me off. And the problem is not that you guys don't know the Bible. The problem is that the stuff that comes out of your mouth is coming from a rotten well that's your heart. That's why when it comes out it reeks of sewage. Because all the words that you say come from a place. And so what Jesus is saying is that the, the answer is to not to fix up your language, to go take an English comp class, learn a few more prepositions. That's not the answer. The answer is not speak a little more slowly or a little more clearly. The answer is not to polish your language. The answer is to fix the well from which your thoughts and your ideas and your feelings come and then they form into words and then they exit your mouth. You got to get down into the well and change the well so that you're producing spring water, fresh water, and not sewage. And so Jesus is saying that it starts with the heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, Jesus said. And so I don't want us to leave here necessarily focusing on the words, but like that passage said, pondering in the heart. Okay? If I've got a clean heart, a pure heart, a heart that is wanting healing in this marriage, and I focus on that, then I'm going to produce words that are that at least their attempt is to heal us. But if deep down in my heart it's bitterness, and I'm just angry at you. I'm angry at you for cheating on me. I'm angry at you for getting me pregnant. I'm angry at you for watching the game. I'm angry at you for dropping my favorite dish. It doesn't matter what it is. Whatever it is that we cling to deep down in our hearts, this is going to produce the junk that damages the relationships. So this isn't a mouth check this morning. This is a heart check. And only Jesus can change our hearts. So as we close in worship, the last thing I want us to do is just kind of leave with just a practical idea of just, okay, I just want to speak better. No, I want, to, I want to say things in a better way. True, but we need to check our hearts. When we say stuff that's nasty, where did that come from? Where did that come from? It came from somewhere. 
And that's the deep work that we need to do. Once we do that deep work, allow God to till the soil and plant new stuff, then the good stuff will come out. Amen? I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward. And uh, you know, as we close in worship, we use our mouths to worship the Lord. And James tells us that one of the worst things you can do is praise God with your mouth and then go home and curse your brother or curse your wife or curse your kids. Maybe not with actual curse words, but we can't stand here and just, God, you're beautiful, you're beautiful. And then in the car on the way home, you're like, you idiots. You know, that, that, that's wrong. And he's saying that, that actually got, God doesn't want to listen to worship like that. So let's ask the Lord that as we worship Him now, that it would be with sincerity. Meaning that when we leave here, we use that same mouth that praised God to build each other up rather than cut each other down. Okay? So let's stand and worship God together. <laughs>